What up, y'all? It's Chi, and welcome to the court. Welcome to the land of the dope and the savage. Where black women have the home court advantage. Where black women take the beauty and the brains and the range to produce something fantastic. Mm. And I'm dropping all the gems to make something beautiful. Trends and we got the raw, the real, everything in between. Yo, just know that we spilling that tea on the court. Do, 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 do. gosh hey everybody uh welcome back to another episode of the court and if you're tuning in right now you're amazing i love you i have been super busy because it's the end of the semester and also like the end of college for me and it's scary fucking terrifying but you know Graduation is coming, whether I like it or not, and I also turned 22 a couple of days after I graduate, so, like, I'm really growing up. I'm really opening a whole new book in the series of my life, and I'm entering an age where people are at a variety of places in their lives. Like, people my age back home, some younger, are already having kids, already getting married, and I look around, and I'm like, damn, like... I know I'm not old, but shit is getting serious. Like, shit is getting real. And I feel like high school teachers always said things like, get ready for the real world. No one's gonna hold your hand in college. Like, no, college is not the real world, okay? It's harder work, yes, but so much more freedom, so much more time to figure yourself out. Like, I'm so grateful I figured out at least the industry I'd like to work in while in college. And nothing is wrong with finding that out later, of course. But I feel like in college, you can experiment a little. At least I felt like I could. But yeah, I feel like even though COVID came and fucked up what would have been some great moments in college, my college experience really showed me the kind of woman I want to be moving forward. A woman who sticks up for herself, advocates for herself, and loves herself in all capacities. Like, the very first moment I truly felt that was when I was telling my parents I didn't want to be a doctor and I'm changing my major. Was I scared? Hell yes. But that feeling of I'm going to do what I want and I'm so sorry but you can't stop me has evolved into something so powerful within me. It helps push me towards going for everything I want because everything I want is already mine. And sometimes I don't feel like I have much guidance because there aren't many women that look like me. So having this energy towards my goals really helps propel me towards what I want and it helps connect me with those that can help. Hello and welcome back to the interview segment of this episode. I'm here today with two amazing, accomplished Black women, and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to them. We have award-winning actor, writer, producer, director, and dancer Nadej Pata, and one of 2021's New Voices Top 100 artists, Abby Salami. Say hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you guys so much for coming on to the show. And to get the ball rolling, um, tell the audience a little bit about yourselves. And either one of you guys can go first. Do you want to go first? 
Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. Um, okay, my name is Nadesh Pata, and I am an actress. I, I usually I hyphenate it. I like to hyphenate it. Um, actress, um, filmmaker. But when you break down um, filmmakers, sometimes we do it all, right? So I do write, I do direct, I do produce. And dancing is my first artistic background. So I started my whole artistic journey as a dancer. So that's what I did. I began first. And then from there, I went to college and graduate school and majored in psychology. That was more of giving my family what they believe I should become. And then when I hit what you call this crossroads and I say the dark night of the soul. I'm like, this is not what I want to do. I, after completing graduate school, I went straight to acting school and I started to perform off, off Broadway quietly for two years and told my family nothing. And then until I gained the confidence, <laughs> you know, cause you know, they're bragging, Oh, she's going to get her PhD in psychology. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> and <laughs> So, so I invited my mom and I said, this is what I do. <laughs> Cause then I'm really far deep into it and there's no changing my mind. So it's about building my confidence and really following my purpose and psychology served as a great tool for me in terms of developing characters, learning how to break down characters as an actor, uh, understanding the psychology of characters as a writer and working as a director, what it, what is them trying to convey, um, and breaking down the characters. So I used all my experiences, even though I kind of went left off of where I really belong in terms of my purpose. But then I came back to the right and then just grabbed some of the stuff. I um, went towards the left and then just put it to the right. And then it created this whole um, interesting me of all my experiences, which I kind of, you'll see it through all my work of all the stuff that I've, I've been able to achieve and express. So that's me in a nutshell. Um, I'm just happy that I came to my purpose. So it's never a loss. I told people failure is what strengthen you for success. You cannot have success if you don't know how to stand strong in failure. And it's not a failure. It's, 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 it's strengthening your weakness and it's strengthening your will to move further in life. So sometimes you have to take five steps backwards to go one major step forward. And that's me. <laughs> well, yeah, your story is like very similar to mine. Um, my name is Abby Salami. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria and moved to the United States when I was 10. Um, growing up in a Nigerian family, um, I was always artistic, but it was never valued right because in nigerian culture and i think with most cultures especially nigerians it's like really like three professions you could be you're either a doctor lawyer uh i guess engineer yeah maybe a business person right so like that was like the criteria and i remember when i told my parents i wanted to go to art school it was shut down so hard and so fast um, i remember my dad saying uh don't major in somebody's hobby because they'll beat you with passion. And uh, I remember hating him at the time, but not it, it actually ended up being kind of correct. Um, so I ended up going to business school. I went to UT at Austin and did the five-year program where you get your 
um, um, uh, bachelor's of business administration, master's in professional accounting, and then you'll also be eligible to sit for the CPA. So in like five years, I went from, you know, just a kid to licensed CPA. And I worked in corporate America for almost a decade. I um, I knew that it was not my calling, but it was a job. I was making really good money. I went from, you know, being just, you know, a senior uh, an analyst to the director of investor relations. So, you know, I was I was scaling that ladder, like blowing up. And I was working at a company here in, in Dallas as a, uh, as a director and the company got bought out and I knew I was getting a year's severance and at the time i was painting more and more because i wasn't traveling as much for work i wasn't working as hard i could actually leave work around like i was really like leaving work around like four and getting there at 10 <laughs> on a good day and so it gave me a lot of time to actually like paint and I, so i you know i was like well i really want i think i really want to do this like you know take that year kind of like a gap year and you know try to see if i could become a full-time artist and i actually you know, it did a show where the very first painting I sold was sold to a friend of um, uh, Yolanda Adams. And so that was like, like, I just felt like that was like a sign, right? I was like, at the time, the painting was like, I think, $850. And for me, I thought that was like a lot of money. And I was like, I could, I could do this. I knew, kind of like you said, I was, I was going to have to take a step back. I wasn't going to be making six, six figures. But I was like, willing to do that because I was this is something I loved so much and I've always loved and I've always wanted to do and here was my opportunity to do it and that was February of 2018 when I got laid off and three years later I'm still doing it I've made a lot of an insane amount of progress just because I've just been so driven and also because of the background that I had in business right so it's kind of funny that my what my dad said about um not majoring in somebody's hobby um because I was I have a business background. I feel like I kind of approach my art in a different way and it's actually made me probably more successful than I would have been if I just went to art school. So yeah, it's kind of a little bit of my background story. Yeah, I'm Nigerian. So, and I'm also, I'm the oldest and I'm the oldest girl. Same here, I'm the oldest. And I've been blamed. I've been blamed because yeah. your sister and your brother are not doing what they're supposed to. I mean, cause they all went to college, but we all just kind of went towards our passion and I'm blamed mm-hmm. for that. And I said, well, they're happy, right? Aren't we supposed to be happy? I think if you do what you love, money follows afterwards. Period. And that's one thing that I definitely like learned quick when I came to college. Like I came in or from young, I always said, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor because my dad was a doctor. Uh, my mom's a nurse, grandparents, aunts, uncles, everyone's in the medical field. So I only knew like, all right, doctor, it just makes sense. And I was also very, very smart. Um, I was good at the math and science, but then when I, when I got to high school, I gravitated towards writing so much more because it was one, it was easier. And two, like, I knew I was really good at it. I had, a, I got a lot of positive feedback and it was something that I really wanted to get better at with each class I took, with each AP course I took when it came to writing and with math and science, I didn't have the same like care to get better. If anything, I was just trying to get the answers right so I can pass the classes. <laughs> so it's, it was frustrating because my parents were like, oh no, you're going to be good at this. Like, don't quit because it's hard. Like, I'm not quitting because it's hard. I... I don't like it. <laughs> like, like, I'm like not a lot to like not like things. And then, you know, the whole college application process was 
more stressful because like I was applying to like pre-med programs that I didn't deep down I knew I didn't want to be pre-med deep down I knew I did not want to be a doctor and I'm a senior now but like halfway through my first semester at NYU less than halfway I said absolutely not I can't be a doctor I'm putting lives at risk pursuing (laughs) pursuing this passion like it's not for me like there were kids in my class like all hyped up by like the chemistry and calculus tests and I'm like why do you guys care so much? I'm like, oh, wait, you guys actually want to be doctors and nurses. I don't. And then I found like media and I found all the different things that could be done with it. And I also um, started off as a dancer too, not the age, which is pretty interesting. So um, mm-hmm. that was like my main source of artistic expression. And I danced from three years old to 18 years old. And I stopped because I thought I had to. It's funny because, like, we're in such different, like, times than our parents. Like, we're in an age where anything is really practical, anything is really possible. And, like, having that conversation with my parents and saying, I don't want to be a doctor. I'm so sorry. I just knew I was living my parents' dream and not mine. And I couldn't. Med school, absolutely not. Resident. Like, that's 10 years of me being unhappy. No. (laughs) Oh, no. Mine was going to be um, because, oh, I want to be the expert person when they need to test somebody on trial, whether they were insane or not, because I saw Silence of the Lamb. And I said, well, I'm majoring in psychology, so I guess, yeah, I could do that. This is studying the criminal mind. So I would have to go four years of getting my Ph.D. and three years of my J.D. That sounds fancy. But it wasn't fancy on the inside for me, right? Because I didn't. I said, okay, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the. Um, what do you call it? The LSAT. I didn't study. I just like I'm just taking it, and I'm gonna take the GR. I'm just gonna take it. But I'm because I'm not passionate about it, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna take it. Mm-hmm. And I took it, of course. You don't expect to, <laughs> to score high, right? And I'm <laughs> applying to law school. I'm applying to grad school. I mean, I got into grad school and I was just like, I got turned on by all the law schools, but I didn't even care because I was just like, I'm just following a script, but I'm moving like a, like a zombie to in this situation. Mm-hmm. And, but I realized, you know, the universe works in such magnificent way. It was the way to get me back to New York. Cause I went to a historically black college, Morgan state university. And I was there and I was taking dance, but I majored in psychology, but I was still part of the dance ensemble. It took me to New York City because it was the only program that would do forensic psychology on a master level. And I'm so glad I listened to my professor advising. She's, I guess she's sorry to me. She said, she said, I think it would be best for you to get your master's before you go invest seven years of wanting to get your PhD in JD. And luckily she said that and is either go to Australia or come back to New York City. And it was I went to New York City to do my master's and it was there that I had the epiphany, this is not for me. And of course, I am in the hub, my homeland of artistic expression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, theater, film, you name it. Mm-hmm. And it just took me back there. <laughs> had I had I not seen Silence of the Lamb and said, okay, I'll do forensic psychology. But look at my attitude towards it. Okay, we'll do this psychology. <laughs> You know, not, yeah, I want to do it. I was just like, okay, this is it. Yeah. There are so many times I was be at lunch with my coworkers and they'd be talking about finance at lunch. And I'm like, this is our lunch break. Why are we talking about work? 
these people chose to major in accounting and finance. I didn't pick it. My parents picked it for me. So I'm here by force. I am a hostage. I just really realized I was very different from everybody that was there. I remember when I got promoted to manager, I got an office and my boss, you know, he knew that I was, I painted and he told me to bring my art into the office. But I, I did. And um, the first day I had the art in the office, the chief accounting officer walks in, you know, to ask me a question and he just stops and he's like, wait, is, is this your art? I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing here? And he would, and he literally said, he like spoke as a prophecy. He was like, I feel like we're going to lose you to this. This is what you should be doing. And at the time I laughed at him and I was like, yeah, I'll be broke though. So no, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, you know, years later and that's exactly what I'm doing. So yeah, it, uh, I, I think, cause you guys just, you, were, you didn't quite make it into the corporate world and then, you know, had to suffer through that and then, you know, chase your dreams, but I did. And um, I just feel like you will always go back to what you're passionate about, no matter, even if you're 50 or 80, like you're like what your heart wants is what your heart wants and you're going to end up back there anyway. So you might as well do it sooner than later and, you know, get it over with, you know? Speaking to you guys' careers, I wanted to, you know, ask a few questions about that. This one is for you, Nadej. Um, okay. How do you balance all the artistic hats that you wear? I'm also a mom of three wow. children, right? 16, soon to be 16, soon to be 12, and eight-year-old just turned eight. So um, when people ask me that question, how do I balance it? I don't balance I think I stopped chasing the notion of balance. I just juggle, right? Because <laughs> when you balance, it's even, right? It's, the scale is even. You want the weight to be 50-50. Um, in my world, it's not 50-50, and it's always juggling and making sure I don't drop the ball, right? And there are times the ball drop, and I have to focus on what's the most urgent need and what's in front of me and where I am in this season. So like I said, my first artistic discipline began as dance. So I was in a season for a very long time, training in dance, being involved in ensembles or forming groups and doing performances. And then there was a season. So that season only people know me as a dancer. And then there's a season where I was acting and people only know me as an actor. And then when I um, morphed into becoming a, uh, a filmmaker to take the to, to actually take charge of my career and create narratives that are authentic to our experience. And it's not written by other people who don't know our experiences, but it always seems to be linear and it always seems to be cliche, right? <laughs> I took a pregnant pause. I said, if I'm going to come back, am I going to just solely rely on an agent and a manager where I'm up against known people, right? So, you know, celebrities, whatever the level is, A through C or Z. And here I am, uh, uh, an unknown, probably auditioning for the same role that a real famous person uh, is going through. And then you look at the script and you're like, ah, you know, this is not really one of the best stories that you could be involved in. But you auditioning and you're like, yay, I might need the part for the money. No, I don't want the part because this is so not us, right? Those mm -hmm. typical roles and those typical stories. And there's a plethora of stories, just like we are uh, firstborn American and parents of uh, 
um, poor immigrants. No one's speaking to those kind of stories about the American born here whose, whose generation is not from here. And the two worlds that you had to experience between your family's world and then the world here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's all kinds of stories. So then I, you know, then I became a filmmaker. And then uh, so when I am involved in projects and creative projects, sometimes the ball drops on being a mother, right? Like yesterday I had to audition and everybody's on their own. Figure it out, right? <laughs> I, 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 I got to get this tape to the agent, blah, blah, blah. And now I have notes back from uh, my writing consultant. Now I got to go and just go in a cave and finish knocking out this script. So it's juggling, mm-hmm. <laughs> I find, instead of balancing because it's really never 50-50 at all times. And when I'm juggling, I'm just making sure if I drop the ball, pick it up. <laughs> when I can pick it up while I'm juggling the other balls. That's my life. I like that you use the word juggle instead mm-hmm. of balance. I feel like that takes away so much pressure from having mm-hmm. to, like, feel like you have to have everything figured out all at once. Um, I can definitely relate. Like, as a one, as a college student, and two, like, as a dancer growing up, I danced everywhere. I danced in the studio, on um, outside competition teams, my school's team. I was a performing arts student. I was choreographing. I was doing a lot all at once on top of being like an all AP student. And, you know, I would, and also leading up to now, like I have school, I have the podcast, I have a bunch, I'm applying to jobs and everything, like interviews. Like there's so many things that I'm trying to balance. But when you think about it as a juggle, it's like, all right, just keep everything afloat and like you said if you drop a ball just pick it back up and keep pushing and I feel Mm -hmm. like that's definitely something that a lot of people need to hear like it's okay to not have everything all together at once Mm because especially when you're doing a lot especially when you have a lot of energy and you have kids I don't even I can't even fathom (laughs) (laughs) don't don't (laughs) I can't even fathom that right now and you know, you said something my mom always says, like, would always say to me growing up, because she was someone that juggled a lot, too. And, and I'm, as the oldest, like, she would tell me, figure it out. Figure out mm-hmm. what you want to eat. Order something. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. I have stuff to do. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, because um, it's like, yeah. mom, mom, I am not mom right now. I, I, you know, I have a deadline. I have <laughs> just, it's right now, I am the actress, because they've seen me makeup and da 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 I was like, I am not mom. Please don't call me mom. <laughs> I got to get off. I got to get these lines. I got to self-tape and I got to send it to the agent, you know? So meaning the, the mom role just got dropped. But then after I was done, then I went, okay, let me pick up. Okay. What do you guys want? Time for bed. <laughs> it's really time for bed. Cause I'm tired now. <laughs> it's did, did you eat? Did you eat? You know, you get, Peanut butter scent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just don't touch the stove. <laughs> uh-huh. And then my, you know, and then you know, it's it's interesting because they was mom, 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 and my husband's there, and I was like, I told my husband, I am not here. So everybody has to figure it out. Same thing, mom would always tell me, like, figure it out, you'll be okay. And I, I mean, I ended up being fine. I think, yeah. like, it taught me, you know, how to take care of other children. So I was always taking care of another kid growing up, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. a whole thing in itself. But um, mm-hmm. yes, this next question, Abby, is for you. Um, 
I feel like with your work, you've been put in a position to not only be a voice for Black art, art and Black artists, but also for mental wellness. Do you think you could speak to that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Um, first of all, I, I've been blessed with this gift of, you know, of being an artist and being able to kind of convey my emotions uh, visually. And as a person who does suffer from mental health issues, I feel like it's kind of like I have to speak to these things, especially within the Black slash African community. Mental health is not discussed. It's terribly taboo. A lot of people are suffering in silence. Um, whenever there is a mass shooting and the person's white, the first thing they go to is their mental states. Whenever there is a mass anything shooting with a person of color, that's not discussed, right? It's it's like there it's like the history of their violence. Were they did they smoke weed once at a party, you know, ten years ago? It, not, nobody's talking about the PTSD of the people in Chicago who are living in Chirac, right? They're they're not talking about that. They just sound like thugs. And I feel like that's because black people are really not viewed as human. Um, and that, you know, stems back to slavery, colonialism, the messaging that, you know, needed to prevail to, to, for those institutions to, to thrive. And those undercurrents are very much still in, in, in society to this very day. You know, we even talk about in the medical field about the mortality rate for, uh, rate for pregnant women who are of color versus the, um, our counterparts. So I feel like in my art, I try to kind of remind people that we are humans. Um, I always paint the women in these very kind of soft, vulnerable, feminine positions because we're not allowed to be feminine. We're not allowed to care about ourselves, loving ourselves, um, heal in any way. And so I, you know, I, I create these paintings almost to reinforce a message that doesn't exist yet but i feel like if i paint it enough over and over and over again people are going to just see it and believe it and be like oh yeah black women are feminine black women are allowed to engage in self-care black women are allowed to engage in you know pampering themselves luxury things that literally you don't see and if you do see they're, they're you know called bougie or stuck up or or things of that nature and it's like no we deserve nice things too and those things help us to stay sane, to deal with, you know, the patriarchy that we're dealing with, the, the institutional racism that we're dealing with on a regular basis. And so I try to work all of that into my art, in addition to making it beautiful and appealing to people. And, um, and yeah, um, if for me, also, art is kind of an escape. I paint kind of where I want to be mentally versus where I might be at that present time. And I've seen it from, you know, people literally will look at a painting and get an uplifting message from, from this art. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I've done my job. If you, if you can look at it and feel uplifted, then good. That's exactly what I, what I want to do. And so, yeah, it kind of just all wrapped in there with the, with the blackness and the, and then also the positive mental health is just all in my work. That's beautiful. And we have wellness yeah, and mental beautiful. health. It's something that, like, especially within the Black community, um, African community, I know like, they, it's never talked about. It's never, like, show, you're, you're not allowed to show that you're sad, especially as a woman. It's like you're not allowed mm-hmm. to be sad. You're not allowed to be um, angry or frustrated because 
they just put so much negative connotations on it. And it's like, these are just um, my feelings. Like you can't expect me to be all together all the time when there's so many things I'm battling with society's impressions of us, with my own personal life. There's so many things that um, a person is going through. And I feel like, especially, 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 especially black girls and black women, um, we have to learn to just be kinder to ourselves and to uh, just be kind, be patient with ourselves, be honest with ourselves, be truth, like just be everything that we'd want someone to be with us, with ourselves, because it really does start from within. Like, and I see, I definitely see growth. I mean, with my own mother, we were on FaceTime the other day and she told me that she started therapy and that she's now starting to unlearn a lot of like the habits that she used to practice. And now hearing, literally, I was like, I'm nice. so proud of you. That's like, amazing. I'm nice. so proud of you. And I never, like, cause I, I, I'm in therapy currently, but when I first started, I told her and she was like, oh, okay, if that's what you think will help. So now to see that, like, she's actually taking that step to help herself and, like, just grow and heal through things that she... And I see a difference in how she acts and who she is. Like, she's a lot more calm, less tense about certain things. Like, she's a lot easier to communicate with, I feel like. And, you know, seeing her with my younger siblings, I can tell, like, their relationship's a lot more close and a lot more... um, Like, I just know that, like, if they have an issue, they'll most likely go to my mom and me, hopefully, but, like, they'll be... they're they're able to just talk openly with my mother more about things. And it's just, it's nice to see. It's nice that, you know, even though she is older, she still took that initiative to like just get herself better mentally. I really want to, to, to kind of stress how amazing it is that your mom did that because um, I don't think I can get my parents to, into therapy. Like even <laughs> me in therapy, they're like kind of uh, about, mm-hmm. you know, for, for somebody from an older generation, to take that step and want to, because it's all part of self-love, right? And my, I just had with my sister the other day. I hadn't heard from her in a while. I texted her and I was like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, I've been working so much. And I was like, yikes. Um, I hope you're taking time for yourself to take care of yourself. She didn't respond for a couple hours. And then she texted me and she's like, I'm so glad you said that because she's like, I literally walked out of a meeting and went and got a pedicure. And I was like, Yes. I mean, maybe, maybe don't do that, but <laughs> like, you know, like you like took, like, she really was just like, why am I, why am I killing myself about this? I'm going to take some time and, and, you know, love on myself. And I think, you know, I think the, I don't think it's a black person on the planet is not working too much. So that can't be an excuse to not go get help because you need that, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. the reason you are working so hard is because you're running away from some demons that you don't want to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. Or you have some um, feelings of inadequacy that you are, that are unresolved, right? So it's like, I think everybody needs to take the time to seek help. What, even, if you, even if you think you don't, that you probably do. I think everybody should speak to a therapist at least once in their life um, and just mm-hmm. unload and just feel lighter, right? I'm I'm really big on like feeling lighter nowadays. Like don't mm-hmm. don't be heavy being. Don't be don't let gravity really take uh, hold you down. Like look at leaves floating in the wind. Look at the birds in the sky and aspire to be light like them. And and to do that, you need to let go of a lot of trauma that um, unfortunately, specifically with people of color, that we what we that we internalize and just think it's actually normal and it's. Absolutely not. 
I think this is the beauty about our people is that we will find the comedy in the situation. I think that's what's a always. way to a ways a ways to put like ointment on the wound as opposed yeah, to salt, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's become our survival mechanism, but really and truly, it is traumatic, right? Traumatic. When you see uh, um, a mom or her child, and she going, "If you mf I'm gonna kick you." Mm-hmm. And not until I became a mom, I realized I get her lashing out. I haven't done it because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, guys, I don't believe in superwoman because superwoman will be super dead. Mm-hmm. And when I say me time, it means me time. And I know it took a while for my husband and my children to understand for the past, maybe last year was the first time I did a mother's day with everybody. What do you want as a gift for everybody to leave? So I could have my me time in the house. <laughs> and they couldn't get it. They could not get it. You, no, you guys can bring me food. Thank you for the cards. Thank you for whatever. But I need everybody out of the house. Mm-hmm. Because I needed silence. I needed not to be needed because now I can give to myself of just doing nothing. If I want to lay on the couch, if I want to turn on the TV or turn it on, turn it off, take a bubble bath without hearing mommy, honey. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you understand? Because I'm, I'm being pulled 24 seven with the exception of course not. You have to sleep, right? But even then, your sleep gets disturbed. Mommy, I had a nightmare. And then I'm like, oh, God, it's 2 in the morning. What? Right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it drives women, particularly us, because our narratives are just so destroyed in the media. Um, we become this wicked machine that is just operating like it's normal. Right. Like it's normal. We don't right. have a chance to be soft. Mm-hmm. We don't have a chance to just say, ah, I could just be a woman. Right. Because we have to be on the defense as soon as you step outside. If like, mm-hmm. you know, someone can call me crazy. It's like, I'm not crazy. I'm just expressing myself. Like what is wrong with me just being expressive? What's wrong with me talking a lot? And if I am crazy, if I am angry, so what? Yeah. Why does that like be for my whole race? Why can't it just be me having an emotional moment? It's like suddenly it's like mad black woman, crazy black woman, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. angry black woman. I'm mad right now. There are millions of black women right now who are laughing and smiling. As black women, how important is it for us to show how dynamic we really are within our work, our talents, our personalities? Like, why is that so important? Listen, we have been told we're not excellent. We've by, we have been attacked on our complexion, right? Colorism, uh, hair, body type. But when you watch media, it is what you naturally came into this planet as are on other people, and it gets commercialized. I'm so glad you asked that, that question because, girl, I could go on forever, but I'm, I'm not going to go on forever. But that, and this is why... I am a filmmaker because when I cast, when I write, I want all hues of our complexion. So there's not this light skin against dark skin. It's the spirit of the person I want into that role. Mm-hmm. And, and, and 
all colors, like a like like you who uh, Abby, who's a visual artist, and you work with so many different palette palettes and skin tones, and to show the the beauty and expression from the darkest of the dark to the lightest of the light. This is who we are, right? And there's there shouldn't be any division. But you watch. I don't want to name names, but in the media, they have a successful family show and I'm watching the butt surgery, the lips, Mm -hmm. and they only date black Mm men, right? And, but they're exotic. They're gorgeous. But I'm like, they're copying me. <laughs> Excuse me? Am I not exotic and gorgeous in my being? I didn't need surgery. I, my apple bottom is just an apple bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my kinky curly hair, it's, it's how I came. Mm-hmm. So why is it exotic on someone who's altered themselves Dangerously. Dangerously, exactly. And and I don't understand why we're doing it. I don't understand some of these famous people. I'm like, wait, wait, why are you? Uh, okay, forget it. That's another topic. But <laughs> it is so important from that question. Yes, we have to make it the forefront of how absolutely beautiful, dynamic, and powerful we are because we've been suppressed. And because of that narrative, it is important that we push that narrative and it doesn't discredit um, other women who are not the same phenotype as us, but we have been attacked for so long and we're not allowed to express our beauty, our power and, and, and who it is that we are naturally. You know, because I remember growing up, if your lips are thick, oh, that's ugly. Your hair is nappy. That's yes, ugly. Oh, oh, your butt is thick. <laughs> it's ugly, right? But now it's so beautiful that people want butt surgery. They want to put rat poison in their lips to make their lips bigger. I don't want... Yeah, well, it's important. We, we, we now have to say, listen, this is not rat poison in my lips. It's my lips. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is the apple bottom. It just, you know, it just came that way. And we should celebrate it and it should be accepted and we should not, we, it is so important because we have the next generation behind us and they should be able to, cause they're not going to see the narrative in the media. Yeah. They'll see everybody other except themselves. Mm-hmm. So if we do it as artists, writer, visual artists, and just pump that, then we make it better for the generation behind us to say, Oh, I'm, proud to be this beautiful melanated woman just as I am yeah I create the art that I wish I saw growing up mm-hmm. I have hella issues I grew up around mostly white people mm-hmm. I am in no way a petite person I have thick thighs I had thick thighs at the age of 10 I would like I hit puberty and I was like a black woman okay <laughs> and you know I was looking at Cosmo and and all these magazines, and A, I didn't see myself, 
but B, I, all I saw were, were skinny bodies. I remember the very first time I saw a black woman with natural hair, um, in a in a presented as beautiful. It was in this um, music video by um, this band called uh, Third Eye Blind. Mm-hmm. Songs called Deep Inside of You. And, you know, each member of the band had, like, their, their you know, the woman that they were kind of, like, having a love affair with. And one of the, kind of, like, the drummer or whatever, he, I guess, it chose this beautiful, chocolatey, gap-toothed, big-ass natural hair chick. And I remember seeing her and just being like, wow. And I, I remember wanting my hair to, to, uh, to, to go natural my hair. My 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 mom wasn't having it. It took years for me to finally have the confidence to finally just do my own natural hair. But that was like the first time I ever saw that, right? Like a black woman, a truly black woman being presented as a, a affection, you know, a, a person of affection and, 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 and um, adoration. And to go 35 years and <laughs> to be like, that's the only time I really like remember distinctly seeing that that's absurd. Mm-hmm. And I want to be sure that, that like kids, little girls right now that are growing up, th- they don't have to suffer that same fate. They don't have to go through that. Like uh, mm-hmm. all black women, really all black people have to go through a second education here in America. Mm-hmm. The first education you learn about white hair, white skin, they're tanning, they're all this. So you, you know, we know everything about white skin there is to know because that's what's you know being forced upon us by media. But I had to learn about my hair at the age of 25. Like I did not know how to do natural hair. I did not know how to do mm-hmm. the hair that grows naturally out of my body. Like I did not do that. I had to learn that. I had to relearn to love myself, love my skin, not think that I need to be bleached, not think that I needed surgery on my nose, not think that I need surgery you know, to make my, or you need to do makeup to make my lips look smaller. Uh, but we still have to, we have to learn that, right? Like, that's not something that, like, I think you're just growing up in any, really any society, no. even in Nigeria, that you grow up thinking. Because I remember even in Nigeria wanting to have long hair, you know, wrapping a towel around my head and pretending that it was hair, because that's what I thought was beautiful. And it's not until, like I said, into my, well into my adulthood, and I'm like, okay, me, the hair that grows out of my head, everything is fine, as beautiful as, as it is. And it's important for us that are in the, particularly in the visual art, um, because, you know, humans are just, you know, we see things and that's how we cannot absorb most of the world. It's very particularly important in the visual arts for us to be telling our own stories because um, for years they've been told by somebody else. That, um, yeah. And it's always inaccurate and it's always performative or, or exaggerated and so for the first time you know you, you see like people like is is array and she's doing you know the awkward black girl first and then insecure and now she's become like this whole empire on her, on her own mm-hmm. and i thank so much for it because i'm like i remember watching awkward black girl in college and like being like that's me i'm awkward i'm black <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. We definitely when it comes to showing our dynamics, when it comes to showing how different we are, like us three are not this, like we are all black women, but we're not all the same. There's so many things that set us apart that goes beyond, goes beyond race, goes beyond culture. There's so many things that make us all different. And like how all white people aren't the same, all black people are not the same at all. You're not going to, we, and we probably have 
the most differences out of most races because of all the places that we come from in the world. Like there's so many things that we bring to the table, so many talents that we bring. And even with our talents, even with the things that we're able to do, like people, society still tries to poach off that and leech off that and make it into theirs. And it's like, no, a lot of the great things that we enjoy today derived from a black person. That's why I love asking that question because I definitely think it's just so important to, um, continue just showing that we are not just one thing. We are a lot of things. What advice would you guys give to young girls who wish to pursue a career in media and or the arts? It's a journey, not a destination. Every level you go or everything that you leverage is something else to leverage. Um, Enjoy the process because media is the most powerful tool that affects the entire world. You're talking about visual. You're talking about how narrative has been portrayed. And we know because we have our own healing to do because of the portrayal of who we are. And you have to work on thyself as a a person who's going into that field to understand that your energy and what you and how you choose to go about it, you're affecting the collective. So if there's a journey you need to pause because you have to heal for whatever trauma, heartbreak, betrayal, whatever the case may be, take that moment to heal and step away and then come back and see what you've learned from it and how can you teach from it. So I'm 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 my production company is called Manifesting an Artistic Truth because it's about tapping into each individual's truth because mm-hmm. your truth may not be my truth, but we can share our truth and coexist together. For more information on anything and everything regarding these two lovely ladies, artistic endeavors, feel free to follow Nadej Pata on Instagram and Twitter at Nadej Pata on Instagram and at Nadej on Twitter. Also feel free to follow Abby Salami on Instagram at abby.m.salami. And if you're in an extra following mood, feel free to follow the podcast page at the court underscore underscore on Instagram and Twitter for updates on future episodes and so much more. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you guys next time on The Court.